I went to Wegmans quick, actually, and I just picked up one of my favorite uh, Belgian beers, a Lef. I saw on the story you've been crushing those lately. That's a yeah. quality brew. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of her. Yeah. What are you guys? What are you guys sipping on? I got the hay burner. Yeah, we got Team Hay Busies right here. I actually, you know, especially because I thought this was going to be a week ago, um, I had extra time to prepare, and I really wanted to go out and find some beers from the city, you know, that I support. Um, but Ooh. you really can't. We can get into that later, but uh, that's yeah, okay. a tough thing. So what with the hay burner? Never, never a bad choice. Well, it's perfect because, I mean, we're trying to get them as a sponsor on the pod. Isn't that right, Iglo? <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Always. That's uh, that's the idea. We drink you on stream, give you the plug, and you wow, what a coincidence. plug your money <laughs> into our bank accounts. But yeah, you know, welcome, amigos. Welcome to another podcast. This is episode number three, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, like that. A, a very special one today with a very special guest, you know, it's uh, one of our very close friends here, Aiden Ryan or AidenRyan.com, as I, <laughs> as I know. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the podcast, Aiden. It's a pleasure to have you here, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to, to be back as Amigo Lazo and, and have you be our first guest. It's honestly, you know... I didn't think it would happen, but here we are, 2021. Well, Putin didn't think so either, but uh, you know, <laughs> we're defying him. We're defying him as well as the uh, conglomerate yeah. over there. Well, so, you guys going back online is almost as brave as Navalny, you know, going <laughs> right back to Russia after surviving the nerve agent attack. I mean, it's complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we have been getting some comments and, and emails in our uh, in our box stating similar things as, as that. So <laughs> that people are starting to realize how brave we are. Yeah. Yeah. So very brave. Um, yeah. But OK, guys, I mean, just to give all the everyone listening an idea of what we're going to get into today. So first of all, um, obviously, we have Aiden on board here. Um, one of the reasons being. I, Idolo and I had, had discussed doing kind of a series where we talked to friends of ours who are fans of the game, fans of different clubs, that sort of thing, and, and talk to them about how did they become a fan of a certain club or, or team or player, uh, whatever, whatever it is. Reason being, uh, in the States, we don't kind of have those immediate connections to uh, club major right. clubs uh, the way they do over in Europe and uh, South America and the rest of the world. So, um, I mean, I couldn't think of a better person to kick off the series with and Idolo, I'm sure you would agree. Exactly. And I I can't, I can't wait to find out. And because like you said here in America, you find a lot of people might support a European team before they even support an MLS team, which is interesting because I, uh, to this day, I'm having a hard time finding an MLS team to support, you know, and it's been like 10 plus years here. So, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, um let's kick it off Aiden when was what was your first interaction with the with the beautiful game as far as back as you can remember oh yeah um well it uh it certainly wasn't as early as it would have been for you guys but it involved uh both of you I believe um and that was Delaware soccer with coach Jorge um oh legend yeah absolute legend um I I was uh I was under his tutelage uh back in the day um and that was my first experience. I don't. I don't remember exactly why I signed up. Whether my parents thought I should do it or whether I said I want to do this. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it was it was Delaware soccer. It was outside of school. Um, you know, weeknight practices there on the pitch by the uh, typically we were by the um, tennis courts in Delaware Park, and mm-hmm. it was just such an inspiring figure. I mean, he really ran us quite hard, <laughs> um, and and like he was a coach you wanted to perform well for. Uh, so yes. my early experiences of soccer were were beautiful, really. Um, I, I think the issue is if I can, you know, segue us toward what I'm sure where this conversation is going. As much as I love playing the game, unlike many of my teammates and you know people like yourselves, I didn't go home and watch the game. You know, I didn't. Right. I didn't have heroes in the game. Um, and that's why at a certain point I just aged out. I stopped playing, you know, you get to high school or whatever interests change. Um, but it fell away. Whereas for other people, I think who are around us in, in Delaware soccer, you know, you, you have, you, you go home, you know, your parents are talking about it or you're watching it on TV or you have a poster up on your wall. Um, all that extra stuff that keeps you involved. I, I didn't have. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, Idolo, do you want to touch on that? That's definitely a really good point there. Yeah, that's true because for myself, and I can give you the the South American perspective, the Brazilian perspective, where you're kind of that's the main sport. So you're you're born just like that's what you're watching every day. You know, on the instead of the late night show or the late night TV, it's like what game is on tonight for us to watch. So that's a that's a that's a big deal for sure because a lot of the kids here in America go and play. You know that that house league or that travel league, but then they go home and, and they're doing other stuff. There's still a, not all of them, obviously a few of them nowadays, especially with, with YouTube and the internet, it's a little bit easier to dive in and head on into the soccer world. So. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And then I guess uh, I, a follow-up question to you, Aiden, uh, on your, uh, your first couple of points there, as far as, you know, reintegration back into the world of soccer, Let's just jump right into that. What was the initial, uh, I guess, uh, jump back into, as you put it earlier, the, the beautiful game? What, mm-hmm. what got you back in there? Well, I, in answering that question, I, I want to maybe even jump back a little further, right? And, and touch on what I think this pod may be even all about, right? Like the, the American sure. fan who doesn't have a local team, right? Um, there were close encounters I had with that, that almost brought me back in. Um, but there's a sense of not belonging sometimes. So for yes. example, wow. back in like 98 or 99, uh, my uncle Ralph Bartolotta and Aunt Maureen went on a trip uh, to, to Italy. And they, they live in Minnesota. We see them a couple times a year. Um, and then with their kids, uh, my cousins, Katie and Joe. And they came back and, and brought me back this Roma kit. Um, and I don't even remember, it's, this is like 88, 89, the kid is so dope. It's a child's kid, so I can't wear it. <laughs> I don't even remember who was on the back because I, I haven't seen it so long. I've got it packed away somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I remember I loved this thing. And it was from a world I didn't know anything about really. Like I was still playing soccer at that point, but it, again, I didn't like watch it. Mm-hmm. And um, just so happened that uh, in 99, I was visiting my other aunt, Cindy Suffoletto, down in New York City. Um, and we took a uh, carriage ride through Central Park, just a classic tourist thing. And this guy who was driving the carriage was an Italian guy from Rome. 
and he sees me oh. in the room and he just blows up about it. He's like, oh my God, are you fat? <laughs> <laughs> and everything. And I remember being That's this awesome. little kid, I mean, 99, I'm, I'm like, what, six, seven years old. And yeah. this guy sees something and, and blows up about it. I'd never really experienced something like that before. But I didn't know what to say. He says, are you a Roma fan? I, I don't even know what he's talking about. I've never watched right. Roma in my life. <laughs> and, and that kind of stays with you. That sense that like, you know, okay, you got the kit. You know, you, you know, know a couple players' names. Are you still maybe an imposter in this world? Right. So just wanted to put that out there. That stays with you for a while. Um, but everything changed, I think, when uh, in 2012, I visited Germany for the first time. Um, and, you know, we all went to St. Joe's. St. Joe's has this exchange program with Dortmund, Germany, which is the sister city of Buffalo. Um, and our buddy Steve Coffin and I became good friends with uh, Matthias Schruck. And he said, as we were graduating, yo, you guys should come to Germany for my 18th birthday. And we were like, yeah, right, dude. Okay. <laughs> uh, passes because he was a year below us. And Steve and I found ourselves like one year into college. Summer was coming up. We had a little bit of money. Um, saved up and we're like, hey, actually, it doesn't cost that much. You know, we can stay at his house. Let's just do it. Yeah. So we went and we, we came into to Dortmund, Germany at the perfect time to collide with the ascendant uh, Borussia Dortmund team. This is, you know, 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. They are on the rise, dominating. And I loved what I saw. Um, you know, so Dortmund and Buffalo are sister cities that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but for people maybe watching the pod from Dortmund who have been there, uh, you know that there are some similarities. Um, there's a there's a working class kind of blue collar element to it. Um, they're similarly sized in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and Dortmund has some really interesting similarities with Buffalo sports teams, right? So, you know, you guys know this just from watching the Bundesliga, like Dortmund's reputation is they're, they're great at bringing up talent, but then somebody, you know, pokes his head up too high and uh, Bayern Munich just grabs him yeah. you know, with money and poaches yeah. him for the team. And that happened with so many players back then. I mean, uh, Mario Goza is, is a great example. Mm -hmm. uh, he, was, he was playing then and just got snapped up to, to Bayern Munich, and then his name is Mud. So in, in yeah. Dortmund. Um, <laughs> so 2012-2011, um, that, that summer of 2012, uh, you know, we watched a couple of games. We were there for a lot of the hype that was building around the team at the time. And um, I got uh, I got a little bit into it then. Um, nice. So, so would you say that that was kind of like the full, like, re-immersion back into touching on those same levels of uh, wonder and, and joy that you had on that carriage ride in Central Park? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it was similar to that in that it actually required another push for me. So... You know, okay. we go there and we're still tourists. You know, we didn't actually go to a physical game. We saw some on TV. Um, I mean, I actually picked up this uh, track jacket that I'm wearing right now back in 2012. So, you know, I came home with a memento and I thought, okay, I, I'm a Dortmund fan now. Yes. Um, one funny thing that happened on that trip is that uh, we went to a house party um, at uh, the kid's name was Yannick. I don't remember his last name, but his parents were physiologists or physiotherapists, I think, um, like really well-known ones who worked with the team. Mm -hmm. so they oh. knew the team, they knew Jurgen Klopp. And we went to this party at his house and it got kind of wild. We were playing this game called Flunky Ball in the backyard. <laughs> uh, 
respect neighborhood. Is that a germ board for something that we need to know? But it's kind of wild. You, you, you get like this big space, like six kids to a side um, and you line up and then you put beer bottles behind you and then you have like a dodgeball and you're trying actually to knock down the, the beer bottles behind the kids and then you have to drink if you don't. It, it's oh, it's wow. crazy and degenerate. But after a couple <laughs> rounds of the game, at which I think <laughs> very, very good, um, Jurgen Klopp actually stopped by the house. <laughs> no, wow. no kidding. And, you know, I, had no. Memory, I had this vague, like, hazy memory from almost a decade ago, and I just checked with my boys in Dortmund, Matthias Spruch and okay. Sebastian Decker. They confirmed that this happened. It is confirmed. <laughs> Insane. So, so like, we... the proximity to Jurgen and everything, that was, like, dope. But I still came home to America and, and still didn't know that much and everything. And I'd, like, wear my jacket around, you know, college campus. And there was still that nagging feeling like, man, you don't watch Bundesliga games every weekend. Like, what are you doing, right? <laughs> right. So to, to kind of speed this up, it was actually the next trip two years later um, that was the big difference maker for me. So I, I graduated college at the time. I was going to go do, you know, I was going to do a master's degree in Scotland. And it just so happened that there was this gap couple of months. And I hit up Matthias again. And he was like, absolutely, you know, crash at my place. So nice. this was still on that kind of upward ascendance of, of Borussia. So this is 2014 um, now, 15, yeah, what is this? Summer of 2014. Okay. Hell of a time for Borussia yeah. Dortmund. I mean, and I'm not Germany kidding. Germany in general. Oh my God. Yeah. In Germany in general, the, the atmosphere was high and you know what else is different? Our friends in Germany had changed too. So mm. before we would like watch it on TV, they talk about it. When I came in 2014, when there was a game on, everything stopped. We went to the pub. We would oh, go to these like neighborhood bars where you wouldn't even pay for drinks. They would just like mark your uh, your coaster because nobody wanted to interrupt the game for any reason. <laughs> so watching these games, awesome. we actually took a cross country road trip into Poland, and I got to watch Obama Yang's first goal against um, Munich. Wow! Um, with the wow. whole family around, aunts, uncles, cousins, little kids, and that experience, like just solidified you're, you're not an outsider anymore you're actually fully into it um and then and th this is really the closer for for me in dortmund mm -hmm. i actually got to go to a game at the stadium oh my god he, of course yeah. in the nice. legendary Sud tribune wow. where so were they? the, the energy is high i was at one point almost ejected <laughs> um really no fault of my own i i don't really have a great grasp of german i don't know the fundamentals but you're there for a couple months you kind of pick it up right mm -hmm. or so you think mm -hmm. so they're chanting 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 and um i'm trying to like pick up the chant and say what they're saying and one of the chants wow. is forza 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 which is like strength 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 you know force strength whatever power mm -hmm. and i misheard them and just started chanting Forza, 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 which, I mean, I won't say on the pod, but any of the German friends listening know, know what that means. <laughs> like, no. There's <laughs> no way. So anyway, Damn. that's it. That's, that's how I became a Dortmund fan. Um, that's awesome. There's no turning back. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so is that, is, that you, is that probably your favorite moment of being a fan of, of Dortmund is attending the game and just, just being part of it, I would say? Oh my God, it's hard to describe the feeling, man, of right. standing in the Zoo Tribune. Like, I've, 
grew up going to Bills games and Sabres games. I've been to Yankees games. There's nothing like this. You know, mm-hmm. the energy, the the savagery of standing in the Zoom Tribune. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting to see how you know just in in a couple years difference and do you think it was because of like you were a little bit older now you could go to the pubs or because you were you guys were you could go to yeah. the pub before too right so what it what changed in those two years i really think it was the social scene right like okay the the, the guys we were friends with um you know jan yannick matthias basti um life they were all lifeline Dortmund fans but like Just again sounds too What's that? <laughs> oh, complete booze hounds. Yeah, complete booze hounds. Um, it it sounds just, like some ultras. We're dealing with some ultras. Yeah. yeah. Some when you're 18 in Germany, I mean, you know, it's a it's a goofy time. You're wild and out. You mm-hmm. know, you could be a fan of soccer, but then like just a little bit of maturity and the maturity of um, of Borussia Dortmund between 2011 when they were like coming out of the gate hot, you know, 2012. Um, to 2014, where all of a sudden, you know, they're picking up players like Obama Yang. I mean, the 2014-2013 roster was absolutely stacked. I mean, McHarrick mm-hmm. was there. Um, you know, Royce was younger and whatever. It was it was a great time. So it was a combination, I think, of our age and where Borussia Dortmund was in that particular year. Yeah, they were at the top of their powers in those years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who's your, who's your favorite? Um, who's your favorite uh, Dortmund player then, Maiden, of all time? Like from from since you've been a fan. Oh man. Well, I've got a funny answer to that one, right? Because I I ended up like the year in 2014 we were there. Obama, like just being there to watch Obama's first goal against Munich, um, and that's so important because that's such a rivalry. I was like, all right, he's my guy. I love this guy. He like mm-hmm. you know pulled on the Spider-Man mask for the first time. <laughs> yeah. the door that was dope, man. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm with this guy. Yeah. Um, I've got a kind of love for people like Royce who have stayed, stayed around for so long. Right. You got to respect um, that. Yeah. I've just got love and respect. But I'll tell you what I have always felt watching Dortmund that Klopp is like basically one of the players. <laughs> you know? Like he's on the sidelines and he's almost like shouting, put me in coach. But then he's like, oh, I'm the fucking coach. Yeah. I, he's, he's the guy, I think the personality that most captivated me. Sure. Yeah, he fit really well in that team for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The dude's, uh, I mean, he's talking, I'm talking about personality. I mean, he just exudes, uh, he, he gets so much out of his players, all, all the hugs and bullshit. I would not have liked that personally, but. Uh, I think I think it works with a lot of the players he has for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess back to your point on um, the issue of being a fan in the states and not really feeling that connection, that kind of thing. Because that's something that I definitely run into and see, like at Meske or around talking to Americans that are into soccer in general. There's definitely like a lack of confidence to then when you're talking with people that know the game to say, Hey, I'm this team's fan. I support this club. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for you, what was the, at what point could you truly feel comfortable? And do you remember that time when you can really just be like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here for the dormant game. I'm a dormant fan. Uh, I don't really care what you think. If you think I'm, you know, some fanboy or bullshit type thing or whatever, <laughs> when were you confident in 
acknowledging your 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 fanhood there. Dude, I gotta say, after you've stood in the Dortmund Zoo Tribune and absolutely blown out your vocal cords screaming Fotza, you can do anything. You have more cred than anybody living in the US, bar none. When I rolled into Meske after 2014 for a Dortmund game and I saw these other wannabe schmunces around. <laughs> And and no no disrespect like uh, these are nice guys you know uh, yeah 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 and they're like oh, they weren't there how did you like you know Dortmund and I'm like well first of all Jurgen Klopp came to a house party where I was absolutely <laughs> trained wrecked and two I've been to the Zoo Tribune and I stood shoulder to shoulder with these you know blonde headed tutans absolutely screaming their heads off that's amazing I mean, you've got all the street cred you could ever ask for I I don't think I can get any sure no that's a that's a good answer I mean. Then would you say that, you know, anyone that gets to a game, does that automatically mean that they are by default then can call themselves a true fan and all that? Well, it's a it's a it's a tricky answer because I think, you know, accessibility and, you know, finances play into this. Like I don't want to say some people just simply couldn't do that, you know. You you can't right. maybe you don't have the money to go, you can't afford it at the time, it's not realistic, you know, your your job doesn't allow you. And I don't want to say that that's like the bar. And plus, there are probably some people who could just drop the G's, fly over, and you know, get a box seat or something. And they they don't know it being a true exactly. Um, exactly. But I think there, there's there there has to be that kind of emotional connection wherever it comes from. Yeah, no, I agree. Point. And that and that's a and that's so that's a good point because so it was really. The Dortmund team was really because of your friends who lived in in Dortmund, right? It wasn't like a pick you made. It was like, here I am, here are my friends. This is exactly. it. it's kind of new. I'm gonna join this club, which is similar to how like I like Palmeiras, so Oliver supports Palmeiras in certain in a certain way, right? And then mm -hmm. there's certain certain places where you're kind of born into a team. That's how I was. Like you're just born, and that's the team your your family supports because that's from the town. Um, so. For for fans who are kind of like, they don't have that right. They're kind of in the blind. They're just you know they're random looking for a team. Mm -hmm. What would you think should be certain things a person should look for in a club when they're when they're searching for a club to support? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm sure I don't have like the one answer to that, but I think a, a good uh, you know guiding principle would be some kind of cultural connection. So like I, I you know, mentioned before, Buffalo and Dortmund uh, are not just sister cities. There's, there are real similarities there, you know, you're mm -hmm. to, right. to the teams. So when you come from an underdog city like Buffalo or like, you know, Detroit or something like that, um, going to a team that is like constantly belittled or that is an underdog that like is an upset, uh, you know, that has better finance teams poaching their best players. Yeah. That just makes sense. You know, like somebody from New York City isn't going to be a Dortmund fan, right? That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, I think actually that better explains my Premier League um, affiliation, which is, of course, Liverpool. Got the. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Avi in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so, Expand on that. Expand yeah, on that. Yeah. How did that come about? So totally different situation. I had never been to England at the point that I became a Liverpool fan. I was really just. Um, while I was in the UK, I, I had moved at that point to Scotland. This is the September 2014. And at that point, um, 
yeah, I just decided I'd start following the Premier League. I'd go to the pubs, watch the games. Um, but in Scotland, I was dropped into this totally different environment of the religious divisions that underlay the Premier League and the sub leagues, right? Mm-hmm. So even though it, it might like looking at looking at the Premier League, you might not see this, but beneath that is this, you know, centuries history of the Protestant Catholic thing, where every town every city would have one Protestant club, one Catholic club. So like in Edinburgh, that was particularly pronounced um, with the Hibs and the Hearts. In Glasgow, you've got the you know Celtics and the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being a Catholic kid from Irish North Buffalo, I was automatically gonna go with the Irish Catholic team. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm a Celtics guy, um, I'm a Hibs guy. Uh, so I remember I was actually in, I, I'd started kind of watching Premier League a bit but I hadn't, I'd really picked an affiliation at that point. I think it was actually the night of the Super Bowl of 2015. I don't even remember who was playing, but we were all staying up for it. It was like two or three in the morning. And I was in the student union with a friend of mine, uh, Robert, uh, his name was, who was like an older guy. He was like 40 or 41. He'd like left a career, decided he wanted to be an academic and came back. He was in my program. And he was a Northern Irish guy. He had this beautiful smooth, like understated Northern Irish accent. He was a very like soft-spoken guy. And I was like, and we were actually watching on one screen, uh, a Premier League game like highlights. And I was like, oh man, what's your team? And he goes, well, I'm not supposed to say this, but I like Liverpool. <laughs> like, oh dude, what, what do you mean you're not supposed to say that? And he's like, well, you know, they're the Catholic team. Like, what are you talking about the Catholic team? Like the Premier League doesn't have a Catholic team. Um, he was like, no, and he explained the history. And in fact, Liverpool was such a destination for Irish laborers at one point um, for really a long time that it was like, you know, a second, like a, like a piece of Ireland in England. Um, and the more I learned about it, like, oh, this is maybe that kind of cultural affiliation I was looking for without knowing it, you know? The Irish thing going on, the Catholic thing going on, the working class thing going on. In some cases, you know, I'd say like the underdog thing going on, because obviously Liverpool dominated through the late 60s into the, you know, through the 70s. But then there was a long drought before Klopp. Um, And boy, I picked him at just the right time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So it wasn't because they started winning type of deal, right? No, it was before they started winning. And I think technically before Klopp went over. Like yeah. one by one year, right? By one year. Yeah. And after he came over at that point, it was just a done deal. Because again, my my affiliation is to clap above all else, which means when he does leave Liverpool and then, you know, surprise, surprise, he takes over as head coach of Germany. I'm going <laughs> to have to, uh, you know, root for them. Wow. Yeah. Maybe it won't be this next World Cup, though, because I still want to root for France for that one. Yeah, good looks. Uh no, one one bit too that just to touch on recent events with as we're talking about Klopp here, uh, a trend that I've kind of noticed so far during this kind of bizarre, unprecedented Premier League season has been that you know Jose Mourinho has been kind of the guy in the past that everyone loves to hate on and kind of make fun of and stuff, and is seen as more so like uh, the the least favorite. The uh, <laughs> because he's great. Uh, because he's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And whereas, whereas Klopp is always kind of for the neutral and just the pundits and all that 
have all kind of been raving about him, you know, nice guy, friendly and all that. And they love his football. Liverpool has been amazing. But I've noticed a trend up until literally today when they happened to play Mourinho and beat Mourinho uh, 3-1 today, if anyone didn't see the game. This will be airing probably tomorrow, so no spoilers here. Um, but what I've noticed is that Mourinho, for kind of like this, most of the season this year, is can kind of it seemed as though he's been more like laissez-faire and just kind of chill and then kind of shooting these digs at Klopp for being sort of a clown on the sidelines and saying that he would never get away with that. Only Klopp can get away with it because that's just how he is. And I, I've seen Klopp kind of been now pivoting over to more of the dark side in the pundit's view because he's been a little bit snippy with some reporters, mm-hmm. notably because they've been on kind of a poor run up until today. Right. Uh, and, and I just uh, – there have been guys, a couple other pods I listened to that um, saying just because Klopp, when he responds to a question, is always with a smile and kind of like – not fake, but he always has a smile on his face. And it seems as though people maybe had been pivoting to more liking maybe Mourinho more, the, the neutral fan. And I'm just curious as to if you had any you know, thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. And I would wonder if maybe, maybe I even want to ask some of my German friends what they think about this. Because in my opinion, just because Klopp, Klopp just has a big set of choppers, dude. He, he looks does. like he's smiling because he's got a big he mouth. He's got a lot of teeth. Didn't he get his uh, teeth done recently? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Those are chicklets. He's always had that kind of like, you know, big jawed grin thing going on. He's That's not to say that he's been like the nicest guy, you know. He's not impolite. He's not rude. And I don't think that he's um, egotistical or anything. But he can be a bit, a little bit high-handed sometimes. And he certainly can be a little bit impatient with mm. with with those interactions, you know? So sure. maybe the prem is just catching up with like realizing that. And then of course, I think there's the added stress of this year being just absolutely bonkers and Liverpool yeah. doing terribly well right now. Also got to think of now he has won the champions league. He has won the premier league, right? He's yeah. kind of done it. Like he came, he saw and he, and he conquered. Um, and I, he could maybe be feeling like I don't need to take the crap anymore. I kind of already proved it. Same with Mourinho; they proved it. And yeah. and and you and you like to see those those head to head matches and the the post post press conference. They're they're always just as good when when you get the when you get those reactions out of them. So I'm all for that. I love that stuff. Yeah, I will say it's it's no coaches or players' favorite part of the game, right? These post press matches. Nobody wants to be there, but. Um, I also like that the reporters uh, can sometimes get a rise out of them because it makes it more enjoyable for us. Oh yeah, and and it, it humanizes it humanizes these guys as well. And I, I will say too, and and something an, another very recent event with um, Tuchel becoming Chelsea's new manager, leaving mm-hmm. you know, got canned from PSG not long ago, and obviously Frank Lampard just got got the boot, club legend over at Chelsea. But now Tuchel is kind of the new German darling in the Premier League, and he likes to play pretty high-octane offensive football. Like Chelsea just had the most passes in a match they've had since, like, 2004, some crazy shit like that. Mm -hmm. And he's also – Tuchel has kind of followed Klopp's – many of his clubs. Like, he coached Mainz, I believe, after Klopp did – 
he coached Dortmund after Klopp did. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there was no PSG affiliation, but now he's um, in the Prem as is, as is Klopp. So I'm looking forward to seeing how um, Tuchel's uh, integration with the Premier League and uh, European managers will go. So should be interesting. Yeah, that is an astute observation. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that develops into one of the more interesting rivalries in, in the Prem. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Elo, I guess, what are your, I'm, I'm curious to ask you, um, and, you know, we don't have to keep bugging Aiden, but as far as like, uh, you know, Palmeiras fans and how do you, when you see someone say at a bar or whatever in a, uh, in a Brazilian league kit or something, how often is it someone that's just a fan? How often is it someone that is truly, uh, from there or has some sort of connection? What do you mm-hmm. see on that front? So I've had about three or four interactions with other Palmeiras fans here in, in, in Buffalo where one was at UB where I was playing intramurals and somebody was wearing the, the Palmeiras jacket. I went up, I, I spoke to them. Uh, they, they were on their own podcast and everything. And he was a big fan, right? And, and that made sense. He's playing intramurals. He's got the jacket. So um, it made sense that he would be a big fan. So that was the only person where I've actually met that was a, a real fan here. The other two times were once was at Wegmans where I had <laughs> a jacket on and this kid comes up to me. He was like, uh, it's like organizing the Kiwis or something like that. And he comes up to me. He's a worker. He was a worker. He comes up to me. And he's like, uh, that's a Palmeiras jacket, right? I'm like, yeah. Are you a, are you a fan? He's like, no. My my dad is a is a fan, and he he always talks about him and stuff. And you know, and that's and that's a unique example, right? That is in his home, but he's still not like a huge fan, right? He's like, mm-hmm. I was trying to ask him, like, oh, how much do you know and stuff. He's like, oh, I don't know much. I know my dad watches it and he likes it. And then the other time was also, I think it was at UB as well, just walking while well, it that. Uh, University of Buffalo just walk in the hallways and somebody recognized it because there's a couple of foreign exchange students there and so they were actually a, a fan of a different team from Brazil they like Santos and they had some banter to say to me and then they just kept talking so that was um that was that that stuff you know is funny like I'm kind of yeah. mad at first but then you laugh so sure. here, cool. here it's um up here it's hit or miss but like in when like in Brazil, in Brazil it's a totally different game in Europe as when I was over there as well for a year you know it's a, it's a different game you 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 see kids soccer's everywhere it's really it's really here in the US where you get the, the pockets and you never know what you're going to get sometimes you might see a crazy kit you know that you never think you would see around here like the, I think the other day I saw somebody wearing like a, a retro Mexico kit and I was like that's oh. awesome and then you know and you get that stuff so yeah i i just think it's uh it's such a big sport and you have so many so many options to pick from clubs that i you know maybe sometimes people get overwhelmed they don't know yeah 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 i think that's definitely something that um when i've spoken to friends that are they saw a lot of the time they even they play maybe they're on teams that we play on and they just start kind of like bashful or ashamed of how they become fans and they want to immediately kind of, you know, play it down. Like, Oh, you know, I just kind of like them, but it's like, no dude, like this is your club. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not going to. Right. 
give you shit exactly. for it as long as you're not some because the other side of the coin is the guys that are in that position, but then will play the overconfident, you know, cocky bullshit and act like they're um, you know, some yeah. sort of so, so here's a question. I, I I get that that point where it's like they they know everything. Like that that rubs me a wrong way. But what if they they just started liking this club and they think that it is the greatest club ever? <laughs> AKA clubism. Is clubism. You know, my club well, is the greatest club. Your club's shite. Whatever my club does is, is better. And then you go and find out the guy started liking them because he was playing them with FIFA last year. Uh, and, you know, so for sure. what, what, what do you think, think about that, Aiden? Aiden? What are your thoughts on that, Aiden? Yeah. Well, I don't know how, how close that arrow passes by me. Maybe it hits because I feel like <laughs> it'll be a cropism. No, no. <laughs> um, but no, you, you definitely see that just hanging around Meske as much as I do. Like, um, especially back like like maybe two years ago when we were really regulars for Saturday and Sunday matches. Maybe that's four years ago. I don't know. Um, but there you, you definitely get the diehards and then you get some people who clearly just, it's like they woke up one day and decided this would be their club. <laughs> and that, and you know, this, that's the age we're in right now where, you know, any, anybody can think they're an aficionado because they go to the right Reddit thread and they watch all the videos and, you know, they fill up their free time learning stuff, but it's, it's almost like, like that kid in high school or college who you know, wants to impress their teacher by using all of these vocab words in a paper, yeah. you know, it's obvious. <laughs> it's obvious when you're, you know, shouting like, you'll never walk alone. You know? <laughs> like, uh, right but click, then, but then again, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say that's good though, that now the, yeah. the casual fan has access to the, the, you know, whether it be Reddit or, or Twitter or message boards or chat rooms, whatever you want to call it. Uh, discord channels to get this full inside scoop and then become like fully integrated in the club and, and know about the rumors know about about the, you know you can you now have the ability to in in a matter of a week become a super fan and know a lot about the club because so much is out there um but in the same token right you can get it's like that feeling of your band, the band is getting too popular, right? This little band I knew about is getting too popular now and everybody knows about my band and they're too mainstream now. So like, cause I have, I have feelings both ways, you know, like I, I like it that you can, you get more fans, but then sometimes you get the plastics, right? Which. No, that's a really great point. I'm glad you brought that up uh, just to bring us back down to earth there. Cause we can all laugh at like the, the newest fans and maybe part of that ribbing is like part of the, part of the game. But um, mm-hmm. because I, I was certainly there. You guys probably weren't just because of your, your upbringing and whatnot. But, um, but I think as long as it's in a healthy place, like acknowledging that that kind of fandom is a little bit goofy, and a little bit funny and maybe deserves some ribbing as long as they're not excluded from the game. And at, at a certain right. point, right. Cause I, and I don't see that happen either. I don't see people at the soccer bars being like, no, yeah, oh, you can't cheer with us. You know what I mean? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. that would be crazy these are the five <laughs> plus fans this side like we're just with <laughs> the population is so small already <laughs> <laughs> it, 
if right. if any, you know, if yeah. any, because I've been there before. I've there've been times where my club is just totally shite, you know, like Palmeiras, they've been relegated before. And there's times where I couldn't, you know, when we were down in slumps, I couldn't tell you sometimes who some of those guys that were starting for our team, right? And there's you know there's a, the joke that you're like oh you're a fan name 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 the starting you know name a couple starters right now and, you, and if you can't say a couple starters then you're probably not a real fan but if you hear that you should take that as motivation to man i gotta study up i gotta know more about my club how can i support my club and get behind mm-hmm. my club you know a lot of these clubs now they have those uh what is it called memberships it's not like season tickets but you become a member right you're part of the fan club and you have a monthly fee and things like that so a lot of um a lot of fans real, you know, not as a way to prove it, but as a way to keep supporting their clubs in, in different ways will become a, a, a member of their club and, you know, have have monthly fees where, you know, sometimes they're even able to purchase players because of these, you know, club club yeah. fees. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Sure. The way it expands that way. I got a question for you guys, if, if I may, you know, oh, Obviously, a lot has been said about the changing dynamic of soccer fandom in America, which seems to be tied first to the MLS, which is, to my, you know, in my opinion, just not that interesting. More importantly, tied to the performance of our teams in the World Cups. So, you know, the last two, uh, you know, men's World Cups, the Americans have at least been more fun to watch, and it's been, if, if even if you wouldn't grant me that, like, it's been fun to participate in the watching here. Um, but then there's the national women's team that I would argue is the like just across all sports, definitely the best team in America right now. You know, college sports, any any you know NFL, MLB, whatever. Mm-hmm. They just as far as record and dominance in in their field. Um, based on that, do you think we might be approaching a point where soccer in America fandom just explodes at like the youth level? And there's a bonanza of people just picking teams um, without necessarily tons of time or affiliation or travel or whatever. And, and how does that change the way fandom looks? Uh, well, I mean, absolutely. First of all, on, on the women's national team point, the U.S. It has been dominant for years. Um, I would argue, though, there's still a lot of improvement at the – development and youth level that needs to happen still mm-hmm. for something like that to happen because a lot of those top women's national team players play their trade over in Europe, uh, whether it's in France or in the Prem, because the funding for the leagues in the States right now is pitiful. Um, and I know there's still that whole equality debate as far as the men's and women's team goes and, and paying all that, but as far as generating more fans and people, and that bonanza you speak of, um, I mean, I'm all for any sort of bonanza typically and in general. And honestly, no, I, I mean, I think it would be great because I, I get sick of seeing the same old shit on ESPN every week where they talk about the same four sports stories uh, on repeat and in a you know loop for six hours a day. I would love to see much more discussion and, and higher quality discussion so getting rid of ESPN FC wholesale and having some legitimate soccer conversations on major American sports networks. The only way that'll happen is when more and more money gets funneled and pushed into developing and spreading the game in the States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, and to add to that, 
you know, the the women's soccer here obviously dominates. And I think women's soccer in general has a lot of potential, but the rest of the world, especially South America, needs to catch up with for women's soccer. You know, there's still a lot of basic stuff in South America that women's soccer just doesn't get. They don't have proper funding. They don't have proper, you know, uh, equipment to practice, to train. Sometimes they don't even like have a way to, it's like have their uniforms. They have to wear, you know, like the men's team uniforms. So oh, wow. as, as soon as, um, yeah, there's a, there's a huge um, story going on right now with the Colombian women's soccer team where um, they're all getting together and speaking up against um, the federation, how they were, they weren't given, you know, the proper equipment and there's like uh, sexual allegations against the coaches and things like that. It's getting real messy. Like, and, like coaches paying the money or I mean, sorry, coaches asking them for like money in order for them to move up and like real shady shit. So that in general had to, has a lot, there's a lot of work to be done there Uh, here in America. Luck because they are so good. They're a little past that, but there's still like that difference with Mm. the, you know, with the wage and that's whole discussion on its own. Mm. And with, the fandom, the bonanza thing. I agree with with Oliver. We just need we need more more coverage. You know, it's that's the problem here. It's uh, you know what I'll say it. I feel like there's a here in America, soccer is viewed as a poor sport. You know, a poor person sport. You just kick a ball around in the field, and uh, it, it doesn't get like I feel like that's a stigma a little bit sometimes. And then it doesn't get the 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 view, you know, the the mainstream view until it's a World Cup year, and it's for a couple months, and then that's it. And typical America, let's make some money on it. It's World Cup, it's a hot topic, right? Where then they're ignoring the whole base of just, you know, you have the MLS with still no relegation system, where America could easily make that ha- happen with the right. amount of people that just live here and clubs and money. You know, it's it's a tough one, but. It, I think that's where it starts, and I will and I will always say that I think it needs to start start there with the MLS relegation promotion and letting. I think forget that soccer is even happening for three and a half years at a stretch. Mm -hmm. Remember when the men's team is in the World Cup, and as far as the women's team goes, I mean, for for many people, they only remember that they're around after they've won a damn World Cup. Yeah, the most successful team there is. So. Yeah, and it's like you get you get a couple of fans every World Cup, right? New fans that they'll mm-hmm. see, and there's a star player, Pulisic, now before is Donovan, right? And you get a couple of Dempsey, and then you get a couple of fa- new fans, and then it dies down. But it needs to be consistent on that mainstream, always on, where they're they're talking about it more than just showing maybe a goal on the ESPN top ten. That's the only time you'll see sure. it. No, and I think just quickly on as far because you did touch on the the recent U.S. talent, I, I'll say uh, right now there are more things are looking up. Essentially, is going to yeah. be my my point here. But right now, the amount of U.S. players playing abroad and growing in, in foreign yeah, leagues and European leagues is I've never seen. Any, I mean, the fact that we've got players starting for major teams and scoring goals and having meaningful contributions and becoming fan favorites, even at times, Mm -hmm. that's a really good sign for, for, um, that is huge in the States. So it can, um, it can start there as well. Right. With the poster boys kind of help spread. Yeah. Then the kids want to be them. So, and let's, let's, 
What's that? No, we just need a Migalazzo to file for an IPO. <laughs> yeah, aspect just torpedo ESPN. I oh, meant no. to preface the pod with uh, some sort of bit about how we would use this to get everyone's mind off of the current uh, Robin Hood uh, <laughs> investigation, if you will. I don't even know if if it's an investigation yet, but shit show, I think maybe would be better suited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, so. Last, hopefully, Aiden, our question or our answers to your question were sufficient there. I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Do we leave? I think we touched on a good amount. There, right. <laughs> yeah. There, there was like a question wrapped in a question wrapped in a question that you, you guys uh, did admirably with that. It's a fascinating bundle of topics. <laughs> and, and we'll definitely be touching on future specifics as far as women's soccer and youth uh, play in the States and, and guys abroad in future pods. So, be sure to continue to tune in. But there was there was one last bit I wanted to just check out with you guys um, on sort of, and this is something that I'm is another potential way that the game is going to continue to grow. Here is um, we all know about like the Jordan Brands uh, relationship with PSG and how they've done a few of their kits uh, over the past couple seasons and continue to release like streetwear that is PSG focused and mm-hmm. also, um, you know, breaching outside of just the soccer fan to now just people that like, you know, clothes and shit. Fire. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out, and I'm actually going to share my screen here. So hopefully this is, uh, let's go. Hopefully this is <laughs> okay for the interwebs here, but uh, can you guys see this right now? Yep. All right, so let's just – we got to talk about this because this is a – I mean, we're going to get your thoughts. I'm just going to have a brief rant. But basically what Nike is trying to do here, we've got Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Each already have three kits, right? They're releasing a fourth edition jersey. You see this often. Uh, But in this case, they're tying them to specific sneakers um, within the Air Max collection that have been released in the past. And Mm -hmm. I don't – you know, I haven't read on whether or not these are going to be worn in actual Premier League games, but I don't know about you guys, but these are freaking Doubt atrocious, it. atrocious. No. Look at this. All of them? You don't Look like at, any of them? I don't like no, a single one. This looks like uh, some kind of weird baseball soccer matchup, a mashup, the one with the stripe. Oh, the so they do show the shoes that could go with Yeah, them. yeah. These are the ones that are that they're inspired off of. Um, the, the shoes are for the most part inoffensive, except for the uh, hot spurs one over there, which looks like some kind of like goth chick from eighth grade in 2006. <laughs> like, like an emo team, like bad thing. This looks absolutely stupid. You'd see that running around Lasertron. The other two are fine. The kits are garbage. Yeah. Utter, utter garbage. The 180 Air one is so offensive to the, yeah. to the sectors. The middle it's one cool. is like a confusion between baseball and, and football. And then the last one, I don't even know what to say about that. And and who's that model? He looks, he looks like a demented Timber. <laughs> Wait, so you wouldn't purchase this Liverpool kit right here with the black sleeves and with the pinstripes? No, if Liverpool wanted to like, like you know, if, if uh, Jurgen Klopp slid into my DMs and was like, oh, you know, you, sponsored content, can we send you one and you'll take a picture of yourself in it? No, I'd turn him right down. <laughs> You know, all, there's a lot of clubs coming out with these crazy fourth, you know, fourth kits. Like yeah. I think Barcelona even kept is coming out with a uh, specific El Clasico kit. 
A fifth kit. Yeah, the fifth kit. And um, it makes you wonder, is it, I mean, it's obviously for the money, right? You're going to sell more kits or, or is it, it, does it help expand the brand or does it hurt it? Like right now, you know, we're calling it trash. Like, no, well, here's the thing, man. It's got to be for an event, right? Like, like an El Clasico kit, at least to me, has the facade of, of, of legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not for that, then it should be an absolutely dope brand collab. That, that makes sense on an aesthetic level. And for an example, um, I will point to the Jordan PSG collab of a few years ago. When that came, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That yeah. Was absolutely dope, right? It's a brand collision. It's it's bringing the American fans in. They're like, oh, what is this PSG thing? Jordan is like, you know, internationally recognized symbol. Like, all right, that, that's cool. This, yeah. just random Nike shoes that don't have any kind of following. <laughs> What the heck is this? I yeah. would like to be like, uh, like, I don't know, like, I'm not even sure which team I'd pick, like a Juventus Yeezy 2 collab. That <laughs> yeah, you Juventus, know, they have done some cool stuff. Juventus has done some some interesting stuff in the past. There's Every now and then you'll see like concept kits, you know. I think sometimes Footy Headlines post some concept kits. And yeah. there's some some like Italian clubs with like Gucci, you know, or like some fashion, yeah. um, fashion brand. But I mean, I like this idea. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. I just don't like the way it was executed, right? I think there's there's potential there. It looks half ass. It looked like some high school, yeah. you know, seniors doing a the. Do they even call it a thesis in high school? But like a final project, and they got access to like Photoshop for a week or something. Mm-hmm. That's what they ended up coming up with. Yeah. They uh um, like Manchester United and West Side Gun. Oh, could you imagine something like that? Right? Yeah, I can. I'd buy it. Like they, they they would you know they I don't think they would ever like and that's another thing I'll say. MLS, <laughs> please stop with just the Adidas kits. Yeah. Why mm. does every team need I know it's a deal, it's the money. That's it, but it just bothers me. Every kit is Adidas. That's an American, that's an American concept that where all the national leagues, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, right? Yeah, all have the same brand that does the, the kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whereas, you know, in the Prem Europe in general, you've got different brands bidding on all these different kits. But yeah, the MLS jerseys are essentially same template just recycled with different colors maybe a different line here or there but that's pretty much it so it's lazy i i think you guys should do an amigo lasso like fan base poll for the best possible team and designer matchup for a fourth kit or a fifth kit um i just got another one madrid virgil abla oh okay i see what you're where you're going with this these make dirty sense you should definitely throw it out to the (laughs) front Yeah, we got to see what the people think for sure. But yeah, maybe that's you know that's another thing that could attract more fans out here. Make the kits a little bit more you know fashionable, more flash, different templates, not the same templates over and over again. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. I mean, absolutely. Well, I mean, I uh, guys, I don't have much more to jump into. Otherwise, are any bits you guys still wanted to touch on? I wanted you to explain. You had here in a in a you know preview doc oil oh. barons. <laughs> <laughs> you explain what you meant by oil barons. Okay, what I mean by that is 
<laughs> this ties back into guys that are looking to find a club that they don't they don't oh, have. Yeah. So essentially, there are a lot of clubs in England right now, specifically, but then uh, other other places as well, like PSG, um, where you have major oil players coming in and dumping you know hundreds of millions of dollars into clubs to bring in players uh, recent rumors are, are newcastle that fell through this summer how many new newcastle fans do you think we could have seen if that were to go through and newcastle's all of a sudden signing uh i don't know holland or some shit you know yeah that that's that's kind of what i meant are you one of those people or do you like the guys that are you got a gnarly like punk rock head coach like Sean Dyche, who's got this crazy red beard and uh, <laughs> piercings when he was younger and was and played bass in, you know, a black metal band. Like that's way cooler than some dude from Saudi guy coming over <laughs> saying, I want that guy to come play. Right. And, uh, all of a sudden you're a fan. You know what I mean? Well, we've already got a situation now where like, you know, Fenway group, uh, an American uh, investment company that owns the Red Sox, owns Liverpool. What if Buffalo, New York's very own oil baron, fracking king Terry Pagula, just dropped into the prem and, and scooped up a you know Hull City? <laughs> that changed the game. Oh, I'm not going to become a Hull fan if Buffalo. Let me tell you something about Terry Pagula. He has bitten off way more than he can chew already. He he got <laughs> the bills figured out. Still got to get over that hump. The Sabres are a disaster because he gave it to his wife, Kim, to run. And they are a shit show. Yeah, if he right. were to pick up one more team, I'm convinced that I, I don't even want to – I don't want to say it because I'll get a lot of hate in the comments. Probably. Um, <laughs> but I just don't think it would be a good idea. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, you never know. Amigo Lazo LLC Corp Inc. might one day strike gold digging for gold somewhere. And – uh Oh, no. That's right. That's right. We'll start a sports society club of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Well, we were so close up until they stopped letting us uh, trade uh, GameStop and right. stocks. We could have been there sooner than we thought. That's close. Yeah. But, uh... Unbelievable. Well, Aiden, um, before we let you go here, I just uh, I do have one final question for you. Okay. Um, I do I do remember years ago talking to you about how you would uh bet money on Abumayang to score. Oh. Um so you could have some uh you know money to partake in recreational activities. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man, that that's funny. I, I forgot about that as like part of the journey, but no, I think that was a an important um stop on my road to being a true Dortmund fan. So this would Something have been on the line, huh? A little skin on the game. Oh yeah. Right. Right. When you're, when you're invested, uh, when you have something to lose. Um, I, I think I was already a pretty hardcore fan uh, uh, summer 2014, but then by summer 2015, Matthias, my uh, German, you know, brother uh, of sorts, great guy. Um, absolutely great guy. Um, legend, ride or die. He came to visit me in Scotland and He's, he's a great guy. He's a savvy guy. Somehow, despite living in the European Union for his entire life, he didn't realize that the UK had a separate currency and the exchange rate was not favorable. So he came to Scotland 
And with like, you know, a couple hundred euros or something, blew through that in a couple of days. And by like day three, he's like, ah, Aiden. You know, he goes through the whole experience. Like, you know, I didn't know <laughs> exchange rates. Do it, do it, do it. As much as you can remember. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, um, crap. Like, so I also didn't have a lot of money because this is the end of a full year in Scotland. I was on like loans. I wasn't allowed to work with my visa. I was making money, like literally busking on the streets with my buddy James at the time. Um, I was playing a cajon and he was playing guitar. We, you know, big tourist town. So we'd make some money, but not that much money. So like I could support myself, but I couldn't like be fronting Matthias for the innumerable pints we were throwing back daily. Yeah. So I forget which one of us had the idea. And I frankly, I bet it was him because he's crazy. We were like, <laughs> let's go to the Ladbrokes betting shop and just let's just let's just win big. Let's get a windfall. So we, we roll in there with our like last quid, you know, dropping actual coins into the machine. And Matthias, who followed Bundesliga much more closely and, and the whole league, was like, all right, so we're going to <laughs> Dortmund's going to win against uh, Bayern Munich. Obama Yang's going to score in the second half. Um, and then we started combining it with crazy stuff. We were like, you know, the Red Sox are going to win this game. And by the way, like Nadal is going to score, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then we had to wait for the, the results to come in. So we just hungered up at a pub in the west end of Newtown in, in Edinburgh. And, you know, we were like nursing pints because we literally could not afford to buy more. <laughs> and then the, we, when we saw the winnings come in and we have all the tickets spread out on the bar in front of us. And we're like watching multiple games. We even got the barkeep to put on ones that weren't on the screens. That's and they crazy. came in. I haven't had a thrill like that before or since. It was <sighs> truly electrifying. We came into the Ladbrokes waving this ticket, <laughs> in, you know. I don't remember exactly how much it was, uh, but it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always an easy one. I'll boom my to score. Not lately, but back back no. then it was good. Back in the day, back in the summer of 2015, safe bet. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Aiden, for hopping on and, and chatting with us. It's been a real pleasure. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate it. All mine, gentlemen. I'm, I'm yeah. so happy the, the uh, Phoenix-like uh, ascendance of Amiga Lazo. and to be a small part of it is, is a privilege and a pleasure in my life. Of course, you're a, you're you're an angel investor, and um, we know that you will be back on the pod again. That's I, I look forward to that day, gents. Of That's course. Cheers, fellas. Thank you, amigos. Enjoy <laughs> the pod. Enjoy enjoy the weekend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he always does it like this. He just leaves. Just he, he, he just drops out. <laughs> the Irish goodbye. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like he, he never says bye. It's like the official bye, and we're done. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. All right, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, um, we'll have you back some point. We're, we're thinking more topics. Absolutely. Thanks for dropping in, man. Thanks for the time. Listen. Later. Peace.